Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Yes, indeed. This is Palm Sunday. This is the beginning of what's called the, the Passion Week in the Church of Jesus Christ around the entire earth, isn't it? Palm Sunday. It's the beginning of everything that Jesus came to do. So that's why, indeed, it is celebrated around the earth. Uh, in many churches, Julia was reminding me this morning that as she grew up, they would give you little palms or something that were cre- fixed in the way of a cross. One heavy, I've never had that experience with them. But it's a mighty, mighty important day around the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, <clears throat> I was, it, it's trying to communicate. God, (laughs) trying to communicate the spirit, God is a spirit, those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's something that takes intentionality. There's a few verses that have always struck me in my Christian experience, and one of them is Mark 4, 23, where Jesus said, the measure of thought and study, listen to it. The measure, how big, how small, spoon size, shovel size, truck size. Again, the measure of thought and study that you give to the truth you hear is what determines the measure of power and virtue that comes back to you. That struck me in my very first year of Christianity. You know, I was taught this, and as I began to read, you know, the Amplified Bible, the measure of of thought and study. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, it's your responsibility, Rod. It's your choice. You can listen with a little measure. You can listen with a big measure, but it is your choice. But the measure of thought, thought, thought means there's going to be a time frame involved. You're going to have to give yourself to it. The measure of thought, study this. This is our life. Guys, we are supposed to study this. This is our life. I said, this is our life. Remember, Jesus Christ, the whole message of Christianity is not, remember what my spiritual dad used to call magic wand theology. It's not something where you just walk into a church and bing, you know, and this bops you over the head with this and all of your troubles over forever. No, the measure of thought and study you give to God's word it determines the measure of what God's got for you, coming to you, being yours, something that you can readily, you know, take into your life. And another verse was in John 3 when Jesus was talking to, you know, when Nicodemus asked him, when Jesus said, you must be born again, and Nicodemus saying, what? You know, because again, he's, he says, how can a man be born again? Can he enter into his mother's womb a second time and be born? And Jesus shook his head and smiled, and he said, no, 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 no. He said, that's which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of spirit is spirit, and so on. But then he went on and he said this. He said, if I speak to you, and listen to this, he said, if I speak to you of earthly things, if I speak to you of earthly things and you don't understand, how will you understand if I speak to you about heavenly things? I'm mentioning that this morning just because, again, it... it, it the older I get in Christ, the, the more I find it interesting, the journey up this mountain. You know, we're all climbing this mountain. 
mountaintop to get to <laughs> a greater revelation of, of Christ. But he said, if I speak, if, if you don't understand that when I'm talking about the earthly things, how are you going to understand when I speak to you about heavenly things? So I just want to prompt our remembrance at first here when I share some of these things. That Jesus Christ came from another plane of understanding. Amen? Really, now do you really, really, I mean, I hope this is what you have to at least allow to be the truth because it is the truth. He is from way up there, okay? In any given, however you want to look at it, he's from another plane of revelation, understanding. God's own son took upon himself flesh, came down here knowing heaven, and coming down here to created earth, looking at people that he's called to live and die for, and he's trying to communicate to them something through parables, through like sower sows the word, trying to do his best to communicate through all this stuff. But all the time he's living and understanding, he's speaking from another plane. And so he endeavors through all his three and a half years of life, as far as his three and a half year ministry, he's endeavoring to, you know, lift us, to lift us unto a deeper level of understanding. That's all I'm trying to get at. Because he came to lift you up. You know, like it says in the Old Testament, he said, you know, if, you, if you're in me, he said, I will cause you to ride upon the high places of the earth. He wants you to be delivered from this beg- the beggarly elements of this world, it says in Galatians. You, that you might be delivered from the beggarly elements of this world. That you might be lifted up into an understanding that is actually intended to bring you freedom. Hallelujah. I don't know if anybody really, really, really wants freedom. In any given area. But that's what he came to do. He came to set the captive free. Now you have to. We have, hopefully we, well, you don't have to. But you know, we need to put ourselves. Set ourselves in agreement with that. We need to actually believe. That he accomplished what he was sent to accomplish. Right? So here he is. And you know. This, uh, the, uh, so Palm Sunday. <laughs> said all that to say. It's, it's this, the more I study this book. You know, over the last four or five days, I was reading all kinds of stuff about it. And, uh, and, and it just kept coming to me. You know, what? It, we, we sometimes we just read a verse and we just kind of peck at it like a chicken would peck at a corn seed. And, and we don't see really the depth of what's happening. Uh, so I'm going to start from the end of one thought and then come back to this beginning here as he gets, as he's, getting ready to come into Jerusalem. The very last verse of John 21, you know, the last chapter of the book of John, is the verse again that says, where John says this, and to me it's just such an incredible statement again. He said, had we recorded, written down, all the things that we witnessed Jesus Christ do, I do not suppose, there you go, I do not suppose that even the world itself could contain or have room for the books that would be written. Think about that. I mean, I just, I I would quote that verse every Sunday just for myself. (laughs) I mean, but think about what's really saying. These guys walked with him for three and a half years, the disciples, right? 
And even so, in many, many places, you know, they did not understand. Think about them with him for two and a half years, three years when you're reading the book of John and reading the book of Luke. They're with him for three solid years, seeing a multitude, miracles, 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 all manner of things, the wisdom that he had, the the freedom he brought to people. I mean, you really have to catch this. You know, the Bible, the four gospels only give us the tip, the tiniest tip of the iceberg of what this man actually did on this earth. As he began to walk in human form, as God took upon himself flesh to dwell amongst us. But see, I, this is why you have to meditate. This, you know, that's, you know, you all know the scripture, Joshua 1, 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night so that you might make yourself or find yourself successful in this life, right? Oh, there you, you guys are quick this morning. What's happening? We have to meditate on this fact. <clears throat> like I said, that last verse of John 21, you know, Think about it. They, they walked with him for three solid years, and there's all manner of scriptures that come up and said, but the disciples did not understand yet. But the disciples did not see what Jesus was saying. And that's the way it is with all of us. We, some of us have been walking with Jesus, walking in this Christianity. We've been saved. We've been born again five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20, 30, 40 years maybe. And still there's all manner of things, of course, that we don't really understand. Because if the truth be known, you know, we're, 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 we don't find ourselves actually, you know, being in the book every single day. And I'm not, you know, condemning anybody. I'm just saying that's the way it, life is for most people. And yet again, this, this is life right here. But unless we understand these different planes, like I said, the realm of the, you know, the three heavens, Paul spoke about, he, you know, talked about the, he was carried, he was brought up, he was pulled up into the third heaven, whether in the body, out of the body, I didn't, I don't know. But he was talking about there's these three heavens, the three, you know, this third heaven thing. God is trying to elevate our life. He's trying to get us to walk above, again, the beggarly elements of this world. He doesn't want us to live like everybody else lives. He doesn't want us. He, he said, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. Right? He said, we're supposed to be ambassadors of heaven. If you're an ambassador, you know, of America, Nigeria, Congo, wherever, Lithuania, if you're an ambassador, you represent what? You represent that nation. The ambassador, the American ambassador in London here, there's all these, you know, places here in London where you find ambassadors from different nations. And I know that's a very simple thing, but again, he's trying to communicate. Paul's trying to say, you need, do you not understand this? You know, that you're, you're a representative. You are to represent my nation. And my nation is heaven. You know, when I come to you, I'm expecting to hear the things that are going on in heaven. I'm expecting to hear how things are where you are, <laughs> where you live. I want to hear the, the wisdom that you brought. But again, this, this, this is a journey. 
and I know you've heard me say it a thousand times, but it really is the journey, you know. And in the book of Exodus, it says God led Israel by stages. Everything God does is by stages. It's progressing. And again, this is the part I've said where you've heard me say it a thousand times, but, you know, faith to faith. I'm going to take you from glory to another level of glory. I'm going to take you from strength to strength. This building process that only comes when you make the decision to be intentional. I'm going to incline my ear. I'm going to lean, like it says in the Amplified Bible, when you look at the word faith, it always says the leaning, the leaning of the entire human personality over on to God with absolute trust and confidence, where you lean in to God. You yield your members to God as servants of righteousness. All this stuff. All these words, all these verses speak about the fact that there's something, I hate to call God something and his spirit something, but there's the anointing of God that's available every single day we wake up. And it's God's anointings that break yokes, that break chains off of things. It's available every single day, but we need to be intentional about its discovery. In other words, Lord, right now, where are you right now? And like I said, my own little cycle, the way I start every single morning. I may miss one or hear one every once in a while, but like I said, just I just start by acknowledging, you know, Father, Almighty God. Jehovah, you know, you can go through the seven redemptive names of God. Jehovah Sid Kenu, you know, you are my righteousness. Jehovah Rapha, you are my healer. Jehovah Shalom, you are my peace. But Father, creator of the universes, hallelujah, you know, you're my Father. And I actually have received the spirit of adoption. And that's why I no longer go, oh God. I, I tend to say, Dad. I tend to say, you know, Daddy, Father, I, I have that sense of it's okay for me to run to my dad. That he will never kick me down the steps. He'll always help me when I fall. He's my dad. He's my father. So I, I, I just want to celebrate you for a moment, Father. Say thank you again that I'm going to take my mind, like it says in, in Colossians, I'm going to set my affections as I wake up this morning, I choose to set my affection on things that are above, not on things that are beneath. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I'm gonna, I, I, wanna, I do this intentionally, Father. Here I am. El Shaddai, the breasty one. It means the God who is more than enough. He's not just enough. Hallelujah. I hope you hear that God's not enough. He is more than enough. You know what it actually says in the Greek? Dr. Roberts used to say, it says basically what the words say, if I don't have it, I'll create it for you. That's what El Shaddai means. If, if, if it don't exist, I'll create it for you. Father, and again, and then you just, you know, to me, I just go through the Trinity. Jesus, you are my redeemer. Hallelujah. You've redeemed me by your blood. Hallelujah. I get to come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain help and find grace and love gifts in time of need. Jesus, thank you. This incredible sacrifice. And that's what we're going to talk about just for a moment. This incredible thing that you did. You offered up your own body. For me, you know, you'd re this really happened. It's not a storybook. 
It's not a storybook. You really did this. Jesus, thank you so much. And then, you know, Holy Spirit, good morning, Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's true. Holy one, you know, the third person of the Trinity. Father's in heaven. Jesus at his, is at his right hand. But Jesus left the Holy Spirit here. John 14, John 15, John 16. He said, but if I go, it's expedient for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the comforter won't come. But if I do go away, he will come and abide with you forever. Hallelujah. So come, so Holy Spirit, I thank you today. You're, you're my teacher. I really do receive you. That's, you know, the seven, what's called the sevenfold gift of the Holy Spirit. You're my stand, you are my comforter. You're my counselor. You're my strengthener. You're my standby. You're my advocate. You're all these things. You're all these things. And so I yield myself. Help me. Help me. Help me. I yield myself to you today. I yield myself to you today. You know, partner with me. And that's how I try to start every day. But I'm just saying all that to say this is why when you come to something that's a religious, as it were, festival, a, a, a religious day in the body of Christ, as it were, I mean, on Palm Sunday, it can just be, we can walk in here and wave palm fronds, blap, 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 you know, it's no, not really any big deal. You know, there's no strength, no power associated with it at all. So I just wanted to say all that before I read from John 12. Amen. <laughs> so that was my introduction. You got to love me anyhow, remember? If you don't love me, you won't go to heaven. God told me that. Well, at least that's my interpretation. Anyhow. John 12, the Amplified Bible, verse 1. And again, as Julie mentioned, this is one of the only um, um, instances where this issue as far as Palm Sunday is. There's very few things that are in all four Gospels. And uh, this is one of the few that are in there just because it is important. So the Holy Spirit evidently thought this was important. So six days before the Passover feast, remember this, you know, next Sunday is Easter. We celebrate what the, his resurrection, but three days before his resurrection, remember what happened is the Last Supper, Passover. So what this week is around the world, this is Passover week or this is Passion Week because they call it, you know, this whole issue of what Christ did for us. It speaks that this was God's passion. I really think it's a great word. This was God's passion for us being played out for the whole world to see. Think about that for a moment. Bobby over there, you know, she spoke last week on intimacy and her and the thing, the course that she's doing. On, and she was telling me how you know it went real well. And she's talking about every probably every once in a while. I don't know if Bobby's ever experienced passion or not. Probably once, right, Bobby? No, good. But passion, and again, I guess, see, it's when you're an American, we get accused a lot of being loud. Because, trust me, Americans are loud. Julie mentioned Cindy being with us. If you don't believe me, when Cindy's here, you'll believe us. Hallelujah. But sometimes, you know, if you're loud because you're trying to, you know, whatever, I don't know, be put on a show, that's one thing. But, you know, something happens when you actually have something, when something's actually alive in you and you have a passion about it, there's something, you get like this, you know, there's something that rises up. You know what I mean? And this is something that, quite honestly, has to be cultivated. You know, when I was chasing Julie before we got married, trust me, there was a whole lot of passion going on. 
I'm telling you, the white boy had passion all over him. You know, because I saw something and I said, oh, hallelujah. But I mean, you know, <clears throat> you know, you know, there's big time passion there, man. I mean, she was laughing and running from me as quick as she could. She didn't know a fat boy could run that fast, though. If you just keep at it, every once in a while a woman will slip and fall. No, but just this week, I don't want to destroy it, which I just did. <laughs> but this is called Passion Week <clears throat> because it's demonstrative of this incredible white hot, it says in Romans, God's white hot intense love that he has for each and every one of us. I love the phrase that it says white hot in the Amplified in the Greek. White hot. I mean way past boiling points. So this is what's happening here. Hallelujah. So six days before the Passover feast, Jesus came to Bethany. Sorry, I just got something on me this morning. Now watch it. I'm getting ready to dance. No. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, that would kill passion quick. That would be a, that would be a passion killer. Six days before the Passover feast, Jesus came to Bethany. Had a party there, actually. Came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had died, and whom he'd raised from the dead. So they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of ointment, a pure liquid nard, a rare perfume that was very expensive. And she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped them with her hair. And the whole house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. I've often thought about that. And again, this is a pretty demonstrative act of passion. See, what I, what's helped me a lot is God's, God taught me, he said, you need to train yourself when you read scripture you need to stop and lean into the words. You need to sense the surrounding of the moment. You need to smell what others are smelling. You need to sense, the, you know, whatsoever, whatever it is, you know, the heat of, of Israel, of the land, or what have you. But think about, like, right now, and I know it's just going to sound, it can sound comical, but just think about it, like, right now, if, if I'm up here speaking and Somebody wants to demonstrate how desperately they appreciate. I got, I got to find another illustration, but I don't know any other one. All I'm saying is this. If somebody right now came up, whosoever was up here, let's say somebody, you know, David Powell's playing the keys or something. And they, and somebody comes up here and just, you know, pours out, you know, I don't know what, 10 ounces of, Chanel 5, number 5 or something. Whatever. I mean, this incredibly expensive stuff. And, and we are, we're watching this happen. We don't, we're, this is totally unexpected. You know, she throws herself down. Somebody throws, this woman throws herself down at his feet and pours this out. And then, you know, you can just slowly, you know, long, long hair, taking the hair, putting her, she's got her head right down at his feet. And she's just wiping his feet. I mean, my God, you know. Talk about intimacy. Talk about, you know, the humility, though. 
that Jesus is going through by allowing this to happen for him. But I'm saying this, you know, you've got to put yourself into this stuff and think about it. And, but of course it says in verse four, but Judas Iscariot, this is what's amazing. Is it true or not that the Bible says that Jesus knew the hearts of all men? That's what it says. Have you ever thought about how far Jesus goes waiting for somebody to yield themselves to him? The whole time Judas was one of the 12 disciples, Jesus had to have known that he was a thief. But he never called him out. You got to stop and think about that. You got a staff of 12 people, and one of them is a crook. But because you are love, because you are the manifestation of God, you're going to hang in there until the last moment to see if they'll respond, if they'll repent, if they'll be changed. Think about it. Judas was with them for three and a half years. He's one of the ones that saw all those things that if the world, if they were all to be recorded, there wouldn't be room enough in the world to contain the books. And yet Jesus knew about this the whole time. He was in covenant with it. But Jesus never called him out. Uh, I'd like to plant there someday. But Judas Iscariot, the one, of his, the one of his disciples who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii, a year's wages for an ordinary workman, and that money given to the poor? In other words, this is the, this is the epitome of a religious spirit. How dare you do that? How dare you waste that money? Why, we could have paid, given it to the poor. Now, that sounds so right, but again, Jesus said what? Well, verse 6, he said, Now, Judas... Now, he did not say this because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And having the bag, the money box, the purse of the twelve, he took for himself what was put in it. He pilfered the collections. And again, Jesus had to have known this. i got to quit that speaking to that or we'll get off. But Jesus said, verse 7, let her alone. It was intended that she should keep it for the time of my preparation for burial. She has kept it that she might have it for the time of my embalming. Now, in John 13, when I start teaching the love walk, I always start there. John 13, 1. We don't have to go there. But we'll go ahead. Put John 13, 1 up real quick, and let's come right back to this. Now, I want you to catch this because he already knows, but I want you to see it. It's in John 13, 1. There you go. It said, now, before the Passover feast began, Jesus knew he was fully aware that the time had come for him to leave this world and return to the Father. And as he had loved those who were his own in the world, he loved them to the last and to the highest degree. The issue being this, Jesus knew it was his time to go. (laughs) Do you hear me? He understood that he was coming to the last of his days, the very last of his days. And so all of this is also what's in the master's soul, his mind, as he's going through all these events right here. But Jesus said, let her alone. Back to verse 7, John 12. But Jesus said, let her alone. It was intended that she should keep it for the time of my preparation for burial. She's kept it that she might have it for the time of my embalming. Verse 8, he said, you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Now a great crowd of the Jews heard that he was at Bethany. 
And they came there, <clears throat> not only because of Jesus, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. Now, what I want you to just, if I can just throw this in here, if you read, like I said, this, this is in Matthew 21, it's in John 12, it's in Luke 19, and uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <laughs> Matthew 21, Luke 19, Mark 11, yeah, Mark 11, and John 12. Um, it speaks of the fact that um, him, him coming in here, that all, all of Jerusalem was flooded because this was the beginning of the Feast of Passover. People had come from all manner of, all manner of lands. There were thousands of people here. So it's not just 15 or 20 people, not just the 12 disciples. There are thousands of people there. The Gentiles are there. It speaks of the Greeks are there and want to have you. So it's a big deal. So it says, <clears throat> verse 10, it says, So the chief priest planned to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him many of the Jews were going away. They were withdrawing from and leaving the Judeans and believing in and adhering to Jesus. The next day, a vast crowd of those who had come to the Passover feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. And so here it is. This is what's called the triumphant entry. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him. And as they went, they kept shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he and praise to him who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Now you've got to catch this. All the Pharisees, all the Sanhedrin, they're all listening to this. They're all aware, you know, of what Jesus had been doing. You read in the other passages about how they sought to catch him in his words. They wanted to find out what he was doing so they could smack him down and destroy his ministry, destroy what was going on. But they were scared. They didn't understand. They didn't know what to do because all the miracles and everybody that was, you know, really leaning themselves over into Christ, following this man called Jesus Christ. Hi. I just thought I'd say hi for a minute. <laughs> they, they were freaked out because these people, all of Jerusalem, all of these Jews, all the Greeks, it says that were there, all the Gentiles, were all saying this. Here they, they were preparing for him. And they, if you read in Matthew 21, it talks about how the disciples, you know, Jesus sends for this cult. Actually, let me read some more before I start saying the rest of this, okay? It says, so they took, verses 12, verse 13, excuse me. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him. And as they went, they kept shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he and praise to him who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. Now just think about this. Here's Herod sitting on a throne. Here's the Sanhedrin. And now they're hearing all, they're hearing all the people. Remember all the Roman guard is there too. They're hearing these people say, even the king of Israel. Even the king of Israel. In other words, somebody that is going to, somebody, we're recognizing this guy as the king of Israel. We don't recognize you, Herod. We don't recognize anybody. We're recognizing this man. So it freaked them all out. Verse 14, and Jesus, having found a young donkey, wrote upon it, just as it is written in the scriptures, do not fear, O daughter of Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Now, let me turn to Zechariah, to Zechariah 9, and it's Zechariah 9, 9, but I want to read the second verse too, then I'm going to quote it also from the Message Bible. In Zechariah 9, verse 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Sorry, I'm trying to catch a page here. 
I don't know how to make the page work. There he is. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king comes to you. He is uncompromisingly just and having salvation. He's triumphant and victorious, patient, meek, lowly, riding on a donkey upon a colt, the foal. I'm sorry. I thought I had it all. The foal of a donkey. And that's the one they quote. But I want you to read the next verse too. Verse 10 says, and I will cut off. In other words, when this guy comes in, and I will cut off and exterminate the war chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. And the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak the word, and peace shall come to the nations. And his dominion shall be from the Mediterranean Sea to any other sea, from the river Euphrates to the ends of the earth. Huge prophecy. And it's amazing that, you know, I was, I was shared with Julie just for a moment this morning. Jesus... You know, it really is kind of mind-blowing that Jesus, you know, knew the prophecies. And he intentionally, in some areas, set out to fulfill them. Because he had this revelation of who he was. He, he suddenly, for himself, you know, he had to find out who he was. And he found out who he was when he went to the synagogue and read out Isaiah 60 that day. Because again, on the other passage, it says Jesus told his disciples, go to Jerusalem, go to the gate, and you're going to find a foal there, a colt of a donkey. I want you to bring it to me. That it might be fulfilled, which is spoken in Zechariah 9. Oh, well, think about that. Jesus knows the prophecy. He knows the prophecy. And so he himself begins to cooperate with the prophecy. Now, why, and see, again, we could go a hundred other areas, but why that's important is because prophecy today has to be cooperated with. Uh, I can't go, if Bobby's had a prophecy over her, which she has, many others, you have to learn how to go to it. Verse 14, John 12, And Jesus, having found a young donkey, rode upon it, just as it is written in the Scriptures, Do not fear. O daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Verse 16, his disciples did not understand and could not comprehend the meaning of these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified and exalted, they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The group that had been with Jesus when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from among the dead kept telling it, and bearing witness to others. Verse 18, it was for this reason that the Lord went out to meet him, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, this proof and miracle. Then the Pharisees said, to among, said among themselves, you see how futile your efforts are and how you're accomplishing nothing. See the whole world, they're talking together. The whole world is running to him. In other words, they're scared because of this guy that's being exalted. Hail the king of Israel. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Now here's where it just does get, excuse me, I'm going to take my perch one more time for a moment. Here's where this whole thing about Palm Sunday gets interesting. You see, they had an expectation of the Messiah. <clears throat> they, <clears throat> when they read the scriptures, the Old Testament canon, there were all these passages and there was these actually 
what's the word, not histories, but there were all these thinkings, anyhow, that when Messiah comes, you know, he's going to overwhelm the, the government of the time. He's going to destroy, in this case, the Roman hierarchy. He's going to come in, and that's going to be the end of it. He's going to be a champion. You know, he's going to be the king of armies, which he is the Lord of hosts. He's going to be the king of armies. He's going to come in and wipe them out. So hail, that's what Hosanna means. When you look at the depths of it, the word Hosanna simply means save now. And it says, and it means help. <laughs> Hosanna, save now. In other words, salvation's coming. We're going to be set free from all this Roman rule. Hallelujah. We're going to be set free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So they're expecting him to come in, and they have this thought process that, praise God, you know, he's writing, and he's going to come in, and he's going to tear this place up. Roman rule is going to cease. We're finally going to be free. But they did not understand what the King of Kings, what the Lord of Lords actually came to do. This is why, again, that verse 10 of Zechariah, let me read verse, those two verses again from the message. Verse 9 and 10 in the message Bible, Zechariah 9 and 10. Shout and cheer. Shout and cheer, daughter Zion. Raise the roof, daughter Jerusalem. Your king is coming. A good king who makes all things right. A humble king riding a donkey, a mere colt of a donkey. Verse 10. I've had it with war. No more chariots in Ephraim. No more war horses in Jerusalem. No more swords and spears, bows and arrows. He will offer peace to the nations, a peaceful rule worldwide, from the four winds to the seven seas. They were expecting Jesus to come in, or whoever the Messiah is, and like I said, destroy Roman government. But what they got instead, instead of a guy, remember there were all, you do know there were horses in those days. <laughs> David, everybody, you know, they rode these incredible horses. The Roman soldiers, the Roman centurions were was famous for their Arabian horses, what have you. But he didn't, he didn't choose to come in on some incredible stallion, some 20 hands high, incredible Arabian stallion. He comes in on a mule. But remember what the people also did? They had all these palm fronds, and they took them, and they put palm fronds all over the path where Jesus was coming on this donkey, and they, it says they took clothes off of their back and they laid their clothes. They laid their garments on the path. And here comes Jesus walking. Now, again, why this frightened all of the Pharisees, Sadducees, Roman soldiers, Herod? Is because, again, it's, the, the palm front is something that's always symbolic of victory. It's what they did when an army came back that had won a great battle. They waved palm fronds and what have you, and they threw these things down for the general to come walking back in on. Again, so here he comes, though. Maybe I should just read it as I have my, my notes. He was welcomed by the Jews as the conqueror of the Romans, but they did not understand that he was the conqueror of sin and death. Think about that. They were thinking, remember when I started about how Jesus speaks from another plane and he lives from another plane? They think they need a physical deliverer, but he knows they need a new life. He knows they need freedom from guilt and transgression. He knows they need forgiveness of sin. But the world didn't understand that. They thought he was coming to do another thing. He was welcomed by the Jews as the conqueror of the Romans. They did not understand that he was the conqueror of sin and death. 
And just like that, this is why, again, we have to change. And still today, we, um, again, i got to be careful. It's not that Jesus Christ won't come into your life and do things physically for you. Meet your needs. Do all of that. You know what I mean? Heal your bodies. But the most primary concern to the master, the son of the most high God, is to simply be set loose in your heart is to actually become the Lord of how you think and become the Lord of how you live. He always starts from the inside out. The scripture says we work out our salvation. See, once he, you accept him into your life, once he has actually come into your heart, is it not true that all that heaven is has actually moved in? Is it? Is it? All that heaven can provide has already moved in to your heart by virtue of the Holy Spirit, by virtue of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, inviting him into your heart. So this is why the, some of the basics of prayer, here I got to be careful again as well, we don't beg God to do something because God's already done everything he was going to do in sending his son to die for us. So we have the whole issue of Christianity is learning how to cooperate with what God's already done. But they were expecting. And so here's Palm Sunday. Here they come. Jesus, Jesus, hallelujah. Glory to God, you know, you're going to defeat everybody. But they didn't know that he was coming to defeat people. But he wasn't coming with some high-handed major general of the world issue. He came humble. He's showing that the way that you destroy evil is with good. Hallelujah. Excuse me, but hallelujah. <laughs> you know, that's what Romans says. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And this is still why... It's the same message today. You do not defeat the whole by the plans of man or by the arm of the flesh. And what was incredible, you know, it's Passover week. You know, this was the time when shepherds were looking for the pure firstborn sheep to bring as a sacrifice. And here comes Jesus, our Passover lamb. On a beast of burden. And again, this is where you have to spiritualize it if you're in a Bible school. Or they're talking about Jesus Christ, the deliverer, is sitting on a donkey. Guess who are donkeys? You and I. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're this vessel that represents carrying the earth's burdens. And we get to carry in the very presence of God. But we have to come in with the same attitude that he did. Me, lowly, humble. Not with a lot of noise saying, here I am. I'm the baddest dude in the land. I'm Goliath. Hallelujah. All I'm trying to get at is this, he was our sacrifice lamb. Fourth day. It's like every, this, this day, this day today, like this, the fourth day before, you know, four days before Passover itself. Three and a half days. Don't argue. It's right at that. You know what I mean? This is when everybody selected their lamb. And the lamb was brought in to be seen. 
And here we have our lamb, our Passover lamb, Jesus Christ. The whole group, thousands of people, they didn't understand what was happening. The lamb of God was on the back of this donkey. Coming into Jerusalem, being seen by everybody, but probably nobody really understanding this is the sacrifice that's going to be released that is going to destroy the power of sin. It's going to break the back of the power of sin for anybody who will receive the sacrifice. Remember, Jesus said, if I speak to you birthly things you don't understand, how how are you going to understand? This is heavenly things. That had to be accomplished before physical things. Everything starts in the spirit. Remember that manifests in the flesh. Right? It's the truth. They greeted him as the king of Jerusalem. But they did not know that he was the king of heaven and earth. So here he comes. Like he's here today. Willing to sacrifice himself. And of course... This is what we'll get to on Sunday when we share a little bit, just a little bit about the resurrection. But basically, this is all I want you to hear this morning. I want you to hear, I want you to catch this. I want you to understand that even this week, not to be religious, but it might be a really good opportunity for you to just sit down afresh yourself and say, Lord, you know, Holy One, quicken this to me. I don't know how to make it. You know, this is why I, I do kind of love Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of Christ. I, something has to happen where we see it. You know what I mean? That we actually, to the point that it, it tugs on our hearts so strong that we actually find ourselves converted to the revelation that Jesus is alive. That Jesus Christ is alive. Hallelujah. That the ma- a man gave himself up. You know, Matt, I think, I'll, I think what we'll do is I'll have Matt come up here. And I'm going to have Des and Sid and Roy and Victor. I want you guys to go bring those whips. You go bring the whips that we have in the back. And we're going to bear Matt's back. Matt's going to face me. And Matt's going to come up right, Matt. And you're going to come up here. Take your jumper off, T-shirt off, and I'm going to have these guys whip him for about 30 minutes. Okay? Shall we do that? How many of you want to see that? <laughs> Matt doesn't want to see that. Oh, I, just, I, saw the, I saw that hand in the back. No, I'm finished. I just, I, I, let me just pray. Father, would you help us? To see the reality of this thing we call Christianity. I don't know what else to say, Lord. I just want us to have a revelation that the sacrifice that was sacrificed for us just marched on into Jerusalem and faced all the the death and the whipping and the humiliation so that I could be free. Hallelujah. So I could actually know that I have eternal life. He that hath the Son... He, excuse me, he that hath not the Son hath not the life, but he that hath the Son hath eternal life. I just want to give you thanks, Father, for the eternal life that is, in, that is ours by virtue of the Christ, Jesus the Holy One. And Father, I will not stop praying that prayer in Ephesians 1. I really want everybody to have that spirit of wisdom and revelation. 
where our eyes are open, where we see for ourselves the face of Christ, where our hearts are strangely warmed, whatever, where, do, that where our hearts burn like on the road to Emmaus because we actually allow not just a scripture to be known, but a Savior to embrace. So we give you praise today, Father. Thank you. I mean, how do, I, do, how do those words do any good to express our gratitude that a real flesh and blood man, that you so loved the world that you sent your only begotten son in flesh and blood on this earth to do all these mighty things that we might believe on him, that we might allow him to live through us for the rest of this world, to see the grace and the love of the Father. Hallelujah. So, Father, I pray that maybe this week we'll make the decision to give ourselves to you a little more, to think on these things, and to really pray and and just ask the Holy Spirit to impress upon our hearts more and more of the revelation of this life so that we might be a people that would be unashamed while we're in the world. And like it says, we are in the world, but we're not of it. We are ambassadors, hallelujah. We're ambassadors from heaven itself by virtue of the new birth, by virtue of having Jesus Christ himself living in us. His blood is in my blood, hallelujah. That means his life is in my life. And I thank you, Father. You said, blessed are those who believe, simply believe. You said, this is the work that you believe. Help us to actually be believers. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Stand up with us. Hallelujah. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 